blessing. Uh, I, I'm going to read one verse, and then we're going to look at quite a few verses this morning. But uh, uh, the one verse is this. It's 1 Corinthians 1.18 uh, is how we're going to start this off. A little different message, but uh, I'm telling you what, I love the Lord, and I love what He's done for me. We've been going through the book of Romans in Sunday school, and uh, my goodness, when you get and realize how much of a sinner we really are and we really were, uh, you think, man, what a God that he would save us. Amen. What a God that he would die in our place. And uh, so 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of of God. Amen. Yeah. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for watching over us. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me to preach. Lord, to take this time as we dig into your word, Lord, that it would come alive. And Lord, I pray that if anyone doesn't know you yet, Lord, I pray that they would come to know you before it's too late, that they'd surrender their life. And Lord, uh, uh, maybe somebody watching or listening, if there's a backslider, they'd find healing. Lord, uh, uh, but Lord, we want your will to be done. Lord, help me to get out of of the way. Lord, open up our ears and our hearts, and in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. amen. So uh, uh, here's the thing. We, uh, this is why we preach about the cross, not just on Easter Sunday, but throughout the year. Yeah. It may not be the yeah. main part of the message, but you guarantee we're going to mention Jesus and the cross at some point, whether we're in the Old Testament or whatever, but uh, it is uh, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Amen. Isn't that what the world thinks? Yeah. Uh, hopefully it's not, it doesn't say foolish preaching. It thinks that the preaching is foolishness, right? But aren't you glad uh, to those of us that are saved? It is the power of God to Day. And I'm telling you what, I never grow tired of hearing about the cross. I never grow tired of reading about it, thinking about it, meditating on it. Uh, and I was listening to a preacher the other day, and he was talking about Simeon carrying Jesus's cross. That was the main part uh, of his message. But at one point in the message, he mentioned one of the things the crowd was saying, and it, it touched my heart. And I, I started to get thinking and studying and writing things down. Uh, and I want to preach on not what Jesus said on the cross, because what Jesus said, he said seven things that are very important. If you don't know those, uh, uh, one of the, the first thing he said, Luke 23, 34, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Amen. That's why we're here today is because of forgiveness of sins. And aren't you glad a few verses later in Luke 23, 43, he turned to the one thief that was scorning and mocking, but uh, put his faith in Jesus Christ. He said, verily, I say unto thee today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. Yeah. Amen. Uh, and then even as Jesus is dying on the cross, he looks at his mother and he wants to take care of her. So he, uh, uh, turns to her and says in John 19 26 woman behold thy son and in the next verse to the apostle John he says behold thy mother he wanted uh, even as dying he's making sure his mother Mary was taken care of oh but then later on Matthew 27 46 Jesus looked up to heaven and said my God my God why hast thou forsaken me and if you don't know the answer to that question it's you and I that's why that's why God the father turned his back on the son is because he was standing in our place then John 19 28 Jesus said I thirst 
Right? The same thing the rich man in hell wanted a drop of water. Everyone that's in hell today would, uh, would, uh, would give anything for a drink yeah. of something today. Jesus thirsted on the cross because he was taking our place. And then a few verses later, John 19.30, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, It is finished. Amen. No more sacrifice was needed. No more ritual needed. No more anything. When Jesus died on the cross, that was it. The sacrifice was paid in full. And then finally, Luke 23, 46, and again in a loud voice, Jesus said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. You know what that reminds me? He didn't, uh, he did, he didn't uh, just die from the cross. He gave his life for us. Amen. Yes. But that's what Jesus said. And I, I've preached it and looked at those sayings many times. But I want to look at what the crowd said. And before the cross, there's Jesus standing before Pilate, the Roman governor, the second time having been delivered by the Jews to Pilate. And Pilate asked the crowd a question in Mark 15, 12. What will ye then that I shall do unto whom you call the king of the Jews? So Pilate, uh, he was trying to figure out, uh, uh, what do you want? He's trying to get out of it. He's trying to figure out, maybe uh, they'll say to beat him or scourge him or jail him or something. Uh, what, what should we do with him? And here's the thing. Pilate had already said many times that Jesus was innocent. He couldn't find any fault in him. So he foolishly asked the crowd, well, what should I do with him? Well, here's the problem. Pilate's the judge. It's his decision. It's his responsibility. He doesn't turn to the crowd and ask the mob what they want. But that's what he did. I think he was hoping that it would be they'd change their mind about their hatred. But no. Mark 15, uh, 15 says, and they cried out again. I'm sorry, 13, verse 13. And they cried out again, crucify him. Pilate turned to the crowd, asked the crowd what they wanted with Jesus, and they said, crucify him. That's what the mob wanted. It was Pilate's job to rule. But in Jerusalem, one of the problems with the Roman rulers had was they were just trying to keep the peace between them and the Jews. And because they were always trying to keep the peace, they were often giving them what they wanted, no matter how crazy it was. Because if they would have rioted, it would have been Pilate's fault and he could have been kicked out of his job. So they're asking for an innocent man to be executed on the cross. And Pilate again tries to get out of it. Verse 14 of Mark 5, chapter 15. Uh, he said, why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, crucify him. Here's the problem. And so Pilate, willing to contend, the people released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus, whom he had scourged him to be crucified. The crowd was full of hatred, full of anger, vengeance, and for no reason they wanted Jesus dead. I, I, don't, I can't think of a more uh, open display of just pure spiritual wickedness, right? Just pure evil right there. And they are crying out even more exceedingly over and over again, crucify him, crucify him. Let me ask you a question. What did Jesus do to deserve that? Nothing. Nothing. But that's the love that God has for us. Yeah. Amen. That's the love that he has. That he was willing to give his life uh, to the, the angry mob. Uh, uh, to fill their wicked desires. Uh, and the, and the, their desires that he would be gone. So then Jesus is scourged or whipped. 
with that leather whip by the Romans had several ends to it and they would tie bones and metal pieces and shards to it. So with each whip, it would have ripped his flesh apart. And then after that, the soldiers put a crown of thorns on his head and put a purple robe on him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. So then Pilate again brings out the whipped uh, crown of thorns, purple robe, mocked Jesus out to the uh, crowd. And he says in John 19, 5, behold the man, right? He's trying again. Maybe that'll satisfy the crowd. Maybe their bloodthirst will be done when they see what awful has been done to this innocent man, Jesus. He asks the crowd again. He says, behold the man. And the, the crowd yells again, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate responds, take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. And here's the second thing the crowd said after crucifying him. John 19, 7. The Jews answered him, we have a law. And by our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. I want you to listen to me. There are people that I hear this over and over again that say that Jesus never claimed to be God. That's the biggest lie I've ever heard in my entire life. Why? Because the Jews, every single time they wanted him dead, whether they were going to throw him over the cliff at Nazareth, whether they were going to pick up stones and stone him, every time I find in the Gospels where they want Jesus dead, including this time, is the same reason. He claimed to be God. Right? What happened? Before Abraham, I was... Right? I am. Before Abraham, I am. They're picking up stones, right? Yep. This day, is this prophecy fulfilled in your eyes? They want to cast him over the cliff. And then right here, what's the Jews' biggest problem? Well, first they said, because, right, he's a king. And you can't have a king when there's a king in, in Rome, right? That was just a lie. They're saying right here, here's the problem we have. He made himself the son of God. He said that he was equal. Jesus claimed to be God, and that's why they wanted him dead. There was no wavering, no confusion. Jesus told them, I'm the promised Messiah. I'm the one the Old Testament says is coming. I'm the one. Over and over again, I'm the son of God. But the Jews had rejected Jesus. Right, that just claiming him, claiming him to be a king was just a way to get Pilate to kill him. Right, they were hoping yeah, they'd look at him as a traitor to the Roman government and get rid of him, but they really didn't care about that. You want to know what's the truth? If Jesus would have came in, I believe, like a political leader, they would have loved him. Right? If Jesus would have came in like a religious leader, not the Messiah, not God, but just a religious leader. They would have rallied around him, right? He wasn't either of those. Neither. He wasn't going to use politics. He wasn't going to use religion. He said, I am God and I'm going to die for your sins. And they hated it. That's it. They hated it. See, when he claimed to be God, he was saying, I don't agree with your religious system. You know what the problem is? The Jews were faced with this. When they were hit with Jesus... They had to make the decision. Are we going to repent because Jesus said we're wrong? Or are we going to reject Jesus? Amen? That was their choice. Guess what? The same choice is today. 
right? When we present the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we talk about sin, when we give you uh, what he died for the sin and that we're all sinners and all have come short of the glory of God and we tell you the truth about Jesus, how he died and rose on the third day, you have the same choice today. You will either repent from your sins and turn to Jesus Christ or you'll reject him. Amen. Pilate rejected him. The Jews rejected him. But are you going to reject him today? The choice is yours. And here's the thing. John 19, after this, Pilate, he was worried. When they said he claimed to be the son of God, it made Pilate even more worried. So he takes Jesus aside and wants to give Jesus a chance to give his defense, right? To say something. Are you, are you really God? Explain yourself. But the Bible says, but Jesus gave him no answer. I believe if Jesus would have put forth any defense in front of Pilate, Pilate would have used it and let him go. He was weak. He needed something, right? But Jesus wouldn't answer. Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. It was prophesied he would not give his own defense. So then Pilate's in even more trouble. He goes over to the judgment seat, the pavement, Gabbatha, and tells the Jews, Behold your king. Now what did the Jews say? John 19, 15. And they cried, but they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said, saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? Here we go. The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Can you believe that? These are the same Jews that hated the Romans. They hated Caesar. They hated the Roman rule. They hated all of that. These are the same Jews. This is Friday, Friday morning, five days earlier, Palm Sunday, right? Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. What are they doing? They're breaking off palm branches. They're putting their clothes as a saddle over the donkey. They're doing all this stuff. And then they're crying out. Matthew 21, 9 says, Hosanna to the Son of God. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That same crowd, five days later, is saying, crucify him. And then they're saying, oh, they were calling him a king on Sunday. But on Friday, they're saying, we have no king but Caesar. That's the crowd, right? When they say we have no king but Caesar, it was reminded me. You remember in the Old Testament, before there were kings, the prophet Samuel, they come to him and they say everyone else has a king, all the nations around us. We want a king to be just like them. And it tore Samuel apart, right? He was tore up. And the Lord talked to Samuel. 1 Samuel 8, 7. The Lord explained to the prophet. He said, they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. Mm. That's the truth, isn't it? They had the Lord reigning over them as a nation. But they didn't want the Lord. They wanted a man instead. Amen? Isn't that what they're doing again in this point? We don't want Jesus. We don't want God. We don't want a savior because we don't want to repent. We don't want to change our ways. It's bad for business and everything else. We just want it the way it is. So I guess we'll have to pick Caesar then if we're going to pick somebody. What did Jesus do? He healed the sick. 
cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, opened the blinded eye, raised the dead, even fed them, fed the thousands. And Jesus, the Jews thought Jesus would overthrow the Roman government. And at that point, they really loved him for that. They treated him like royalty. But as soon as they realized that he was going to die for the sins of the world, they wanted him dead and gone. But the same rejection is happening today. The same thing. Jesus gives what? Blessings and prosperity. People love him, right? When he gives grace, when he takes away trials, when he heals, people love him. But then when they get his real true message and realize yeah, the healing's great, but you're still going to die. Amen? Because of your sin. And sin leads to death. And without Jesus Christ, if you die, you'll open up your eyes in hell. When Jesus demands holiness, righteousness, and faith, that's when he's rejected. Why? Because this world does not want God ruling over them. Isn't that the truth? Can you imagine? Imagine this for a second. Imagine taking in this Bible to your workplace tomorrow and saying, you know what? We're going to throw out the handbook. We're going to throw out everything. And we're going to use this to run the company tomorrow. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You'll get laughed out of there. Might even fire you. Right? You're kidding me. We need to drug test you, right? But look at our companies. Look at what they're dealing with. Look at the fraud. Look at the discrimination. Look at the hatred. We could have replaced an entire huge manual. We could have replaced regulation after regulation and law after law with love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? Amen. They're trying to figure out how to legislate to treat people fairly. And Jesus said it in one sentence. Amen? This world's a mess. But they don't want God ruling over there. They don't want to follow the Bible. So they're going to do everything they can to do things apart from God. And then they're going to shake their finger at God and say, God, why is there evil in this world? You must not be powerful. Why is there wickedness? Why are there people suffering? I'll tell you why. Because you don't want him. That's why. Amen. You can't have it both ways. Amen. We'll have no king but Caesar. And guess what? You're thinking, well, thank, thank goodness we don't have a king down here in America, right? I'll tell you what will happen in the early November. They'll go to the ballot box, and they're not going to say, well, I have no king but Caesar, but I'll tell you what they'll say. Whoever's going to help my wallet, who's ever going to give me the most free stuff, who's ever going to give me the most uh, free money and everything else, I'm going to vote for them. Right. We don't care how wicked they are. We don't care how much wickedness they let go by. As long as they help my wallet, praise God, let's go. That's the same thing as saying we have no king but Caesar. Yeah. I'll tell you what, you vote with your pocketbook. You know what the Bible says? God himself told the children of Israel, he said, hey, you want to know why your money's running low? Because you've got bags with holes in it. Yeah. And it's just, you're carrying it along and every little bump, more of it's falling out. God said, you try to do things for money and you watch it just fall right out of there. Yeah. See, all those things were while Jesus was on trial. We're almost done. But once he's now hanging on the cross, there's two more sayings 
Mark 15, 29, And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. The same angry mob that saying, Crucify him, crucify him, followed him up the hill to Calvary, and now they're watching him die, and it says they're railing on him. They're mocking him, right? And they're blaspheming him. They're lying about him, right? And it says while all that's happening, it says they're wagging their heads in disgust, looking at it, saying, look at that. Look at it. Look at him. He claimed to be God. Look at him. He's a liar. Oh, you want to prove it to us? Come down off the cross. I'll tell you one thing. Praise God he didn't. Amen. Amen. If he did, we wouldn't even be here today. They're wagging their heads. But God's love held him there. Romans 5, 8, one of my favorite scriptures. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were sinners, yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it was that love and Jesus saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's what held him there. Oh, but then Mark 15, 31, they continue. Likewise, also the chief priest mocking said amongst themselves with the scribes, he saved others himself. He cannot save. Mm. They were the most opposed to Jesus. But do you see what they admitted to? They admitted that Jesus had saved others. Yeah. Right? They could not deny how many lives that Jesus touched. And I'll tell you what, if this world was honest, they can't deny the change that Jesus has made in our lives, praise God, when he made us a new creature, right? They saw it. I believe every single one of them wagging their heads and pointing at him, new friends and family members that have been touched by Jesus, right? They knew someone who was crippled that could walk now. They knew someone who was mute that could talk. But still they're saying, save yourself. But here's the heart of the gospel. Jesus could not save others and save himself at the same time. He gave his life to save everybody. Amen. Right? Amen. That's what he did. He, the innocent paid for the guilty. He shed his blood so we can find forgiveness of sins. And I'm telling you, I believe he had all power to step down. I don't think he needed the ten legions of angels. I don't think he needed anything. He could have stepped off that cross, descended up to heaven, and said, I'm done with all of you. Right? I don't believe the iron nails were enough to hold him to the cross. I don't believe every soldier that was there watching was enough to keep him on the cross. I don't believe the whole Sanhedrin was there enough to keep him on the cross. You know what kept him on the cross? Is he loved us. He loved us. That's what kept him on the cross. He saved the entire world by not saving himself. That last statement from the crowd, he saved others himself he cannot save. They were mocking him to prove that he was God. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't prove that he was God. He would not have proven he was God if he came down from the cross. You know how he proved he was God? By dying and being buried and raising on the third day, yeah. all according to scriptures, that's what proved he's God. Amen. He rose from the dead. As freely as he laid his life down, he said, as freely as I'm picking it right back up. Yes. He was God. 
And then he dies on the cross. The crowd got what they wanted. Their vengeance was satisfied. He was crucified. He died. But then one more voice, not from the crowd, but from a single Roman soldier who watched it all. Matthew 27, 54. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Yeah. Right? That may not mean much to you, but remember that Roman centurion would have been part of the death squad, had likely crucified hundreds before Jesus. They were very good at what they did. In fact, they said during the empire there was tens of thousands, I believe, that were crucified. They did this all the time in public. They were good at it. He had seen many men die before. And you know what was normal? While the, the one dying on the cross being mocked, the one dying would mock back. That's normal, right? The one uh, that's up there uh, uh, that, that, that with the mocking and everything, uh, and here's the thing, that was normal. But Jesus didn't do that. What would have been normal would be men struggling every step of the way. Jesus voluntarily laid down his life, right? He laid it down. He didn't fight the cross. He didn't mock the crowd. And here's the other thing. He didn't slowly die either. See, as you die on the cross, you die because the breath, you can't take another breath. You got to pull yourself up, pushing on the nails in your feet, pulling on the nails to pull yourself up to take a breath. Then you have to relax to let the breath out. You have to keep doing that. And every time it's extreme pain because you're pulling on that. And fighting gravity and everything else. So as men got closer to death, what would happen? The breath would get less and less. The pain would get more and more. They'd run out of strength, run out of blood. And that they would die. They couldn't take another breath. And they would choke and die. But Jesus didn't do that. Do you realize every detail in the Bible is important? And if you go to the last statements Jesus makes, the Bible is very clear. He did it with a loud voice. How does a man hanging on the cross die from asphyxiation and cry with a loud voice? It wasn't the cross that killed him. You realize the last thing Jesus said? I said it a minute ago, but I'll say it again. He said, it is finished. But not only that, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Yes. Yes. He gave his life. Yes. Yes. Oh, he died on the cross, but he gave his life. Yes. Pilate was shocked that he died that quickly. And that Roman centurion saw, this is like no man I've ever crucified. Yes. No man I've ever watched die before. This was the Son of God, truly. He believed that Jesus was God, but we don't have anything else about that centurion. In James 2.19, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. I have no, I have no clue with that centurion what choice he made after that. Oh, he believed that Jesus was God. But remember, the thief believed that he was God. 
and put his faith in him too and said, Lord, remember me. I don't see the centurion ever did that. You may believe that Jesus was God. That's good. The devils believe too. But what are you doing with it? You may believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose on the third day. Oh, good. You're getting even closer. But are you going to call on Jesus' name for forgiveness of sins? The choice is yours today. He died for you in the midst of this wicked crowd. And I'll tell you, if we're truthful with ourselves, we are in that crowd too. Oh, we weren't standing there. But every sin we've ever committed is another voice yelling out, crucify him. Every day that we spent as an enemy of God is another voice yelling out, crucify him. But in all of our voices and in all of our sin, there's Jesus looking out at you saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's Jesus today. That's Jesus. But what are you going to do? Are you going to call on his name? That's why the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. What about you today? We're going to get a song. We're going to ask Carrie to come get a song. We're going to open up the altar. What about you today? Maybe you've been mulling the decision over, thinking about it. You need to choose Jesus before it's too late. Amen. We get up here week after week trying to tell you about Jesus. I, I Trying as much as I can to paint the picture. But I can't even come close, even if we spent hours and hours in a lifetime of preaching. But I'll tell you one thing. You can get in this Bible and you can read it over and over and over again. And every time I read it, I think, how could he do that for me? How could he have done that for me? How wicked I was, not only that, but then how wicked I've been after I've been saved. How much I've fallen short. He said, I know, but I love you anyway. He was God. And God came in the flesh. And he died for our sins. That's Jesus. As Carrie said, we're going to open up the altar. Won't you come today? Won't you come? Won't you come? If you're lost, you need Jesus today. If you are saved, why don't we just thank Jesus one more time for what he's done? Why don't you say, Lord, what's that thing God's dealing with you? And just say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, help me to push away the excuse. Lord, just do what you've called me to do. I know sometimes the preaching sounds like a broken record. But God knows we're stubborn and we need to hear it over and over again. He loves us. He died for us. He bought us with a price and now he owns us. What a God. What a God. Nobody's done this for you. Nobody. And nobody will. But aren't you glad he did? Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your love and mercy. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. And Lord, I pray that we would never forget it. Lord, if there's anyone lost, I pray that before it's too late, they would come to know you. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for what you're doing. 
And Lord, help us to continue on. And in Jesus' name we pray. And amen.